0: It's Welcome the summer to, edition. to
1: this week's Summer Edition, heard across the Resonate Network on 4SB, 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country. Scott Parkinson joins me in the studio. Good afternoon, mate.
2: Good afternoon, Watsi. What a great week to be back on the Summer Edition. And uh, had a good week, mate? It's been okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk (laughs) it up too well, I don't want to say anything anything too good, anything too bad, it's just been okay.
1: And Nick Backstrom joins me as well, Uh, how are you going? Uh, Very well, thank you very much. Busy times here in the uh, Central West as ever. It certainly is, uh, things (laughs) are winding down fractionally though, (laughs) and uh, boys, uh, obviously the first test of us, the Packies is underway. Packies started off... Uh, with a big bang, they were none for 75, yeah, yeah. and that was probably about the last positive they can take out of the match <laughs> so far. Um, good to see Warner and Burns up the top of the order, and Stark was good as well, Parker.
2: Oh, Stark was amazing. I mean, a guy didn't get a run in the ashes, so it's been a different pitch over in England, but yeah, mate, he knows what he's doing out there. He almost got a hat-trick, and bowled to a 16-year-old. I felt very, very sorry for that bloke. But <laughs> so he did well. Sounds a
1: bit like Steve Ramsey here Long Longreach.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a 12-year-old that he bowls to. But um, no, mate, Australia, dominating, but did we expect anything less? Uh, I don't think we did.
1: Nick poses the question. Question, I'll pose it to you uh, Mitchell stark I think he's he bowled so well in the in the in the one day uh, World Cup over there and then he was taken away from the the test side you know he bowls fast
3: he bowls full he bowls straight
1: I reckon there's a place for him in any, any conditions.
3: Yes, I think so too. Um, I think the commentators are try, oh, the commentators. The uh, selectors are trying to be a bit too clever by half of these horses for courses. Mm. Yeah, in the the golden age of any cricket era, any country, they don't keep switching and swapping. They had the one team.
2: It was a massive risk because remember how well he bowled at the World Cup too. Yeah, I think yeah. he was a player of the tournament. and He got yeah. the most wickets. I think I put a bet on it, so it worked out really he well did. for me. But. You know, I think it was a big roost dropping. in. They still won the Ashes, so I mean, it didn't really matter in the end. But if they hadn't, I reckon Mitch Stark would have been the, the reason why.
1: Your thoughts, Scott, on the new uh, concept that was brought out by the Poms, the T10. Now midweek uh Chris Lynn nearly the first player to score a hundred in ten overs ninety seven or thirty six or something ridiculous. Yeah, it
2: is ridiculous. I mean I played cricket last night. I'm I'm advocating for a T two. Um <laughs> two two overs Super each. over. <laughs> yeah. Mate, I just think it's getting shorter and shorter and all it is is just going further and further away from traditional cricket, which is the test match. I mean that's yep. what you know traditionalists love to see test match. Mate, I'm gonna say in ten years test match won't be around.
1: Nick we we have a tri series in one day with the T ten. We <laughs> could. Easily, yeah,
3: but no, I was thinking, you know, all these rules and new formats, it's all about the batsman, and I reckon, I don't think test cricket will disappear, I think one thing that will change is uh, open slather on uh, interfering with the ball.
2: I think they put targets in the crowd. That's what I'd bring <laughs> they in. St-
3: they used to do that. Yeah, the ing sign. Yeah, the mercantile mutual. Yes, yeah, Merc- Yes, exactly right. I mean, test cricket. That's. I what I thought you meant unsuspecting uh,
2: viewers. Well, be, <laughs> yeah. you know, the old man with the big KFC See bucket. Farco right. <laughs> first guess this afternoon. The great Michael Casper. Oh, you talk about it, legendary cricketers. I mean, there's no more legendary in this bloke, and what a what a fantastic guy that he is. And really interesting thoughts. I mean, he's still his son. I think will be a future Queensland, if not Australian, cricketer. Mm. Um, yeah, just one of the great blokes,
1: Nick. Our outback profile this week. We speak to uh, back-to-back winning
3: jockey of the Roma Cup, Brooke Richardson. Yeah. A great story. Oh, a remarkable story. Uh, you know, a career in uh, the uh, in Brisbane uh, cut short by accident and then uh, mental. Issues as a result of that And here she is back winning again And uh, Damien Delinsky,
1: a man Well, there's none more passionate about rodeo <laughs> Oh, mate
3: <laughs> Well, he doesn't know about rodeo, isn't worth knowing he's quite, yeah, I'll he's have the listeners passionate.
1: know This was a six-hour interview it's dropped to ten minutes <laughs> Hey, good bloke And uh, what a great concept, Scott During the week The Queensland Reds uh, visited some 20 communities uh, They visited Barcaldine and Longreach here in the West And you had a bit to do with them And they will join uh, Nick later in the show
2: yeah, quite young guys, too. I think both of them were under 23. So, I mean, they're going to have outstanding futures, Harry Wilson and Liam Wright. So, outstanding young blokes. They spoke to the kids at school. The kids asked some really, really good questions. And, you know, it's great. Did have, you I, write them? I did a bit of a QA. Um, <laughs> I think they were a bit embarrassed when I said, You guys are in impressive shape. It's like looking in a mirror. Um, silence. So, no laughter there. But, no, the kids are really interested. I mean, any time you can get kids at, you know, I think particularly at a primary school age, you remember those times forever, and they're going to watch the TV. I mean, the Wallabies need as much coverage as they can get, and these two are future Wallabies. So. And, sure,
1: and we've sure. seen a changing of the guard, obviously, with the new coach boys. Mm. Um, a bit of presence in the West here, and we need it.
3: Oh, we yeah. We need it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, rugby has been on a downer for some years now, on a state and national level, and uh, hopefully the worm is turning. It's <laughs> a summer
1: edition, heard across the Resonate Network. It's the Summer Edition heard across the Resonate Network on 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC,
3: 4LG, Hot Country. Nick Backstrom, uh, we're uh, deep into the cricket season. Yep, and we've got a Queensland legend on the line, uh, bowling legend, and still involved very heavily in cricket now in administration and other duties. It's Michael Casper. It's G'day Casper. G'day guys, how are you? Not too bad. Now mate, you you tell us you're in Adelaide where we've got a good portent for the future for Queensland cricket.
4: Yeah, well my son uh, made the Queensland uh, 12 years cricket team So we're uh, championships down here in Adelaide um, Yeah, we've beaten South Australia uh, That was day one And um, yeah, it's all going pretty strong Good uh, good bunch of talent coming through
1: Good to see you now Casper, um, obviously you're still heavily involved with Cricket Australia But also the Bulls Masters uh, Just tell us a little bit about that concept
4: Yeah, absolutely Well look, um, I, um, in all the nearly 18 years seasons i played cricket for queensland i reckon at that time at least 75 percent of the of the guys i played with all came from the bush yep and one of the things would have noticed you know whilst I, well, since i've finished that a lot of the the guys they, and maybe the professional era they just don't get the chance to get out and a combination of that wanting to um and with a few mates um Just try to get back out in a regional Queensland, knowing how how important it is, how vital it is to our game. Um, And using, I guess, the the ex-player, the former player, as a. have always liked to say it's the greatest underutilised resource in our game.
1: And uh, obviously you ventured out here to Longreach and uh, spent Anzac Day in 2018 here in Longreach. Andrew Simon stole the show at 2-Up, of course. (laughs) But uh, look, it was a widely well-received... out of season fixture, and the and the folk around the ridge are still talking about it.
4: Yeah, and that's that's absolutely that's the point. Um, getting out of these regions and just that interaction. Uh, and look, whilst I've heard people say, "Oh, look, you know, Bullsmasters, that we won't work because you know the kids they don't know who you are." Um, it does work because their parents do. <laughs> uh, they know who we are, and also. You know, and the reason why that's important is that they're the ones who are going to drive the kids. they then to keep the kids interested and engaged and encourage the kids to play. Make it possible for them to get out there. And as I'd like to always say, um, you know, give them the opportunity to hopefully one day live in their dream, play cricket for Queensland, play cricket for, for Australia, or even better, I guess, uh, represent Longreach.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but last time you were here, you also brought out some of the current players as well. I remember mean, Michael yeah. Ness and a few other the blokes as well.
4: Yeah, well, that's important as we get older, um, yeah, polling gets a little bit harder, <laughs> scoring runs, and the it doesn't work as well as it used to either. So, we, um, yeah, but, but look, this is a—it's going to be the gift that just keeps giving because we've got some, you know, Queensland players just coming through, you know, over the years. Luke Saltman um, retired uh, from Queensland, um, which was great because as a fast bowler, he can come in and, <laughs> and, uh, and play. But the best part, I guess, is the format when we do get into into these regions, we'll, we'll do a dinner, a big fundraising dinner um, the night before. We always get into, you know, engage with the kids, engage with the parents, coaches, play a game of 2020 cricket, which, you know, 47 years old, um, the concept of 2020 is perfect because uh, as a bowler, there's only four overs, 24 balls, as long as I keep my foot behind the line and bowl straight. Um, so, and that's 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 yeah, that's why I think that's what we're trying to capture is the, the fun. Get people loving playing cricket, can, would love watching it and just, just inspire you know the next generation of kids coming through, next generation of parents um, to be involved and um, that's why for me personally it's something so, you know, so important and the best part is is that it's the only state in Australia that has anything like this. We started as a group of players, uh, Jimmy Ma, myself, Andy Bickle, Ian Healy, Martin Kent, originally um and we've sort of started it and as i said it's the most powerful i think um, vehicle and possibly because queensland you know the population is so dispersed around um you know we've, we've got a better chance of um doing than anyone.
1: well I, I caught up with Bick actually an emerald uh, earlier this year and i'll tell you yeah. what well, he can still throw him down
4: oh yeah yeah definitely. Mate, he's, he's He's um he's built like an Adonis. I've you. Not <laughs> I, I, I knew when he moved to Brisbane. Um, he came and he lived with me, and um, yeah, it made you sick because you know he'd be eating macca's and all sorts. of i put <laughs> putting on a <laughs> on a on a thing on, a, on an ounce, but um, no, look, he's brilliant. And that's the thing. It you know, like look, we came through an era of Queensland cricket that was absolutely special. You know, I a few of those names, but we're throwing a Matthew Hayden in there. Um, Stuart Law coming through, but, you know, Martin Love, Wade, second, you know, all-time record holders at Queensland in and, and keeping and also um, uh, runs. But also sprinkle a little bit of Alan Border yeah. <laughs> around it. Kyle Rackerman, um, and give us the amazing touches touches to what was a pretty awesome team and an environment that we, we were part of.
3: Gee, when you're going through those names, I was thinking, oh, those were the days of my youth, but you're younger than I am, so I guess <laughs> <laughs> I've got a golden glow around you players.
1: <laughs> hey, Casper, uh, give us a bit of a rundown of your um, gig with uh, Cricket Australia.
4: Yeah, well, I've been on the board of Cricket Australia as a director for the last eight years. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm the only uh, fastball ever to be asked on the board. <laughs> so there's, there's diversity for us right there.
0: Um,
4: <laughs> But the other thing too is I, um, you know, I, I finished playing cricket rather than coaching and commentating, I went and studied. I went and did an MBA yep. at the University of Queensland trying to just understand, you know, the business of sport about what we can do because it's a pretty exciting time, the best time ever to be involved in the game. so that led to this, this role, I gather, um, of the opportunity to be involved on the board. And yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting couple of years. The last two <laughs> years were quite interesting, let's just say. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that's the thing. It's that you're managing so many stakeholders. And yes. so it's not just the players. Um, you've got volunteers, there's media, there's sponsors, supporters, right throughout, and you're representing every group. That's, that's your role on the board, um, you know, making decisions for, for everyone's benefit. So it's actually, I really enjoy it.
1: Mate, uh, where are the Bulls Masters off to uh, in the next few months?
4: Um, I think I saw something today. There's an Emerald trip again. Yes. Coming up, um, Oh, you, you need to speak to Jimmy. I actually just recently saw an email. There's a few <laughs> things. There's, there's Bundy um, in April. Um, there's Toowoomba. Toowoomba in January. Um, what else was there? In February, there's a couple of bits on there too. Roma's even got a hit out.
0: So, oh, good to see. And,
4: and you're back In uh, Emerald as well. Actually, that was the... The classic thing when we played there in Emerald, you mentioned you spoke with Andy Bickle. Yep. We played there in the driving rain. It was horizontal, right? <laughs> and what was classic was that we were playing,
0: and
4: normally for cricketers that's like an RDO, you know, <laughs> rain doesn't doesn't work, especially on on, on a turf wicket. So we so we're, we're playing, and obviously the people turned out. There would have been over a thousand people turned out for this, and we were sitting there in the middle of So um, I think they were smiling, and they were... Well, they were definitely happy to be there, but they were probably more enjoying rather than uh, enjoying watching the rainfall rather than
0: watching.
1: The rain. <laughs> 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 uh, Michael Kasper, thank you very much uh, for your time, and uh, hope we catch up again in the near future.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Good on you, fellas. It's well uh, it's a
1: summer edition heard across the Resonate Network.
2: I AM in that leading division. Roma Cash has made round very, very quickly. At the 300 metre mark, the point of the corner. A touch more in front from O.Y. Palace Tycoon down the outside. Also coming into the race is Ashiel with a strong run. But the touch more's got a kick. A touch more grabs the lead. And a touch more just wins from O.Y. Fighting on.
1: Yes, that was a touch more winning last week's Roma Cup, you're on the Summer Edition, heard across the Resonate Network on 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, better not forget 4SP, <laughs> and Hot Country, Nick Backstrom. One um, of the great races on the country calendar.
3: Yeah, and uh, yeah, a very good win there as well, so um, yeah, great racing.
1: Back-to-back wins for a touch more, and it's time to do our weekly profile on our outback sportsman. That horse was trained by Matt Crop and uh, ridden by Brooke Richardson. And Brooke joins us. Uh, good afternoon, Brooke. Good afternoon. Now, tell us a bit about a touch more. Um, obviously, it won last year's race. It was much more fancied this year, and um, a great front-running ride. And often say it in my broadcast: it's uh it's what you do best, rolling along out front.
5: Yeah, I was um, pretty blessed to ride him last year, and then. When he won, I picked up the ride on him this year. Also, I was pretty much booked then and there when I stepped (laughs) off him. And uh, I think the field was a little more competitive maybe this year, a little bit more even, and he still produced the goods. So, um, yeah, we're very happy.
1: I bang on about this all the time, but country racing going forward, to think that a Roma Cup was city prize money, 42-odd thousand and change to the winner, Brooke. Things are really going in the right direction.
5: Yeah, that's right. Look... Roma Cup is right up there with any race that you'd want to win being a jockey in my eyes, and I think it's a bit of a city experience, actually, out in the bush. They do a really good job, and like you said, the prize money's great, and that's what draws the jockeys, the trainers, the owners and the horses. You know, if, if the prize money's there, everyone wants a crack at it.
3: Yeah, Brooke, obviously you um, go from you know, different horses, but you've ridden this horse two years in a row. Do you have a personal relationship with the horses you ride, or is there you know different relationship with different horses?
5: Yeah, well, you know, if you get to ride a horse more than once, obviously, um, you do build a bit of a connection with him. That horse, I think, you know, anyone can ride. He is just a type of racehorse that he is as quiet as a mouse. He's got a beautiful nature. He's friendly, but he loves his job. You know, he steps out on the racetrack, and um, you know, he knows what to do. He's a he's a pretty clever horse, but also at the same time, he's a nice, easy ride.
1: Now, let's wind the clock back and have a look at the Brooke Richardson story. Obviously, um, racing's in your family. When when did you want to become a jockey?
5: Oh, I think going to the races, uh, watching Dad ride and going to the track every morning with my grandfather from a very young age, primary school age. I'd go to the track early of the morning and I used to think it was so cool now it's probably not as enjoyable getting up so early um but I thought it was great and I just sit up at the canteen there on the hill at Toowoomba and just watch all the horses work past and of course um when I was first going there it was grass when I started my apprenticeship it had actually become the um artificial surface the cushion track um and then when I left they changed it back to grass so I missed out but um yeah, ever since I can remember, I've wanted to be a jockey. Has how-
3: Toowoomba still got the uphill home straight,
5: as I remember that one? Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> it's a bit of a different track there. I think it can catch a few people if I haven't ridden there much.
1: <laughs> hey, Brooke, so um, how did you get your first start as an apprentice? Where did, you, where did you graft your trade?
5: Yeah, I started in Toowoomba, and I my grandfather had his training licence still at the time, so I just got my indentures to him. Um, And I started from there. Pop only had a couple of horses at the time, so I had the opportunity to just ride one or two for him, and then I could sort of branch out and freelance for the rest of the morning, and then go home and pick up the boxes.
3: And when was your uh, first winner as a jockey? Uh,
5: 2010.
3: Okay, yeah. And what was the horse?
5: uh, Gun to Windy was the track, and the horse was Innocent Billy, trained by Eric Ropier
1: I still remember my first win as a greyhound trainer: the twenty seventh of the seventh, nineteen ninety seven. <laughs> Brianna's boy box three paid twenty four dollars. The field he did a Stephen Bradbury. <laughs> <laughs> you so,
5: know the dates and everything. You are doing better
1: than me here. You could <laughs> now, Brookie, uh, obviously um, your career really b- blossomed, and uh, you did some time in the, in the Metro Circuit.
5: Yeah, I did. I was sorry. I was um pretty fortunate to have a lot of. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's so good. <laughs> pretty fortunate to have family in racing. Obviously, I, um, my dad also got his trainer's license. Uh, his uh, Arnie Carmel Richardson. She trained at the Sunny Coast, so I went to her, and then onwards from um, Carmel, I did go to um, Brisbane. Uh, so I was pretty lucky to have a few connections early on in the piece.
1: And you rode some Metro winners, but it wasn't all beers and Skittles. Um, you had a bad fall there in, in the latter part of your Metropolitan career?
5: Yeah, I did. I was, I was lucky early on in the piece. I, um, my first winner was for Tony Golan, so I was very lucky there, and that's when he had sort of started making his mark um, and had a lot of good horses. So I was pretty blessed, and yeah, I had a fall. It sort of took a turn for the worst, to be honest. Um, I was out for quite a time with a shoulder injury. And then after that, uh, I had done a lot of trials. I was apprenticed to Brian Smith at the time. After I recovered from my fall, he wanted me to do trials just to make sure I was sharp and on point and I was ready to ride in a race again. Uh, I had my first ride back for him um, on one of his horses. And unfortunately... I also got a suspension at that time as well.
1: Yeah, and that that put you on the sideline for some four months, is that correct? Yeah,
5: I had a four-month suspension, actually. So it wasn't for running and handling. There's a lesser rule just under that, and I think it's something along the lines of not giving your horse every opportunity in the final stages of the race. So there was a gap um, that I probably should have taken, but at the time, in my head, my brain was telling me there wasn't enough room there. Obviously... I thought that I was fine and I rode trials fine but race day and the pressure and all the rest of it can sometimes play a few tricks on you in your head I think and I went back and watched the replay when I got off the horse and I realised where I'd went wrong but um, unfortunately with all the support I still couldn't get out of the charge so it sat me on my um on the sidelines for probably four months yeah.
1: I remember talking to you at length about this at Baduri a couple of years ago Brooke and um the press afterwards and and the the social media aspect of that how much does that play a, a factor as a professional athlete these days
0: yeah
5: yeah look it's pretty tough i was obviously told um by a steward had that had seen some of the things online he said look you know don't go on the internet don't go on to these sites which was probably the wrong thing to tell me because of course i was like <laughs> oh what are they saying <laughs> so i went on there and they weren't very nice um a lot of things about me should, you know, not should have never been given my license, and people saying that they wish I hurt myself worse in the fall, and yeah. just wishing bad things upon someone that they don't even know, um, was pretty pretty hard. But I, I was lucky that during my time with Racing Queensland, trying to actually um, fight the charge and get off of it, I had met a sports psychologist in the progress, and uh, that was actually very very beneficial to me, to be honest, because. When you're an apprentice in the racing industry, you start at such a young age, and I was away from home and I had no support. Um, so that was very beneficial to me having that sports psychiatrist.
3: Mm, and how are you finding your riding now? you much, you know, obviously you're riding winners again. Uh, do, you, uh, do you do you have to uh, are you ever conscious of you know using techniques during a race to keep that focus?
5: Uh, in the beginning, after my fall, and then after the suspension, and I come back, I did. Um, have to use a few methods that i had been taught to um, keep myself relaxed and really get back into it. But now as the years have gone on, once you get a few more winners under mm-hmm. your belt and you're riding more frequently and you're riding enough track work, I think it's, it just naturally comes back. If you've still got it, you've still got it and your confidence just finds itself again and it, it becomes easy. Brooke, I just feel like my old
1: self. <laughs> it's a fascinating chat, Brooke. Thanks very much for your time and contribution to the summer edition powered by the Australian Bean Association on the Resonate Network. No
5: worries. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
1: All the best. Hey, thanks, Brookie. That was great. All righty.
5: <laughs> I'll see you, Sandy. No worries. See you then. See thank, you thank you. Bye. Bye. bye.
1: It's the summer edition heard across the Resonate Network on 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, Hot Country and 4SB. Nick, time to talk rodeo.
3: Oh, mate, you know how much I know about rodeo. Not much at all. Not like our guest. Well, that's why we called in the big guns. <laughs>
1: Damien Delinsky uh, joins us. How are you this afternoon, mate? Oh, mate, very, very
6: well. Very hot, though. We've got a little bit of hot weather around the place and, uh, you know, I've been fighting some bushfires, mm. so it's been very, very hot indeed.
1: Yeah, and, some, and our, our thoughts and prayers do go out to anyone who's been affected or has family affected. It, uh, Damien, it was such widespread catastrophe.
6: It was, mate. It was very, very uh, very widespread right across Australia. I remember a couple of years ago, I was involved in fighting some fires uh, down our way in the Fraser Coast Wide Bay area, mate, and it was very, very tragic. We lost a couple of lives, and um, we had a lot of people out on the ground, and uh, mate, it's just it's a tragedy to see that it's such widespread in Australia, as big as a country as it is at the moment, how dry it actually is and how quickly those fires can spread once they do actually start.
1: Well, the radio season's certainly uh, coming to an end for 2019, and uh, you've got a bit of a wrap for us.
6: Yeah, mate, we do. So, the big one I really want to instigate to people is, of course, our uh, Warwick National Finals. It was held on the 24th of October at the Warwick Showgrounds. If you missed it, we had about 30,000 people in attendance. Um, I'd like to thank uh, Gary Longley, our arena director, uh, Stewie Frame, Brad Pierce, Brett Cross and Ian Watkins. Um, also our timers Linda Watkins, Tara Lovett. Um, the uh, best uh, saddle bronc bucking horse of the year for this year was Whiskey Boy. The best bareback bucking horse was Stephen and the best bucking ball was I Candy. Our clowns, I'd like to thank Josh Burks, Michael Johnson um, and of course our rodeo stock which was furnished by Malcolm and Eddie Gill from Gill Brothers. So mate, uh, just very quickly, though we haven't got much time to wrap it all up. But uh, in our saddle ride, coming out in uh, first place was Cameron Webster, followed by uh, Heath Karmaz and Tom Kerr. Well done to those boys. In our big one, the ball ride, was uh, Sully Malay with a uh, a big, big, massive uh, score, take, taking out uh, 86 points. Uh, second was Bailey Woodard, and then Brad uh, Brady Fielder. In the bareback uh, bareback bronc ride, was David Woods followed by Jared McCain and uh, also tied with Jared was uh, Luke Higgins. It was a very close one, mate. Very, very close. The judges both awarded them eight points, so they both take out second prize money together there. And then, of course, because we, we had a second and a second, we don't roll it out. We run it around to a fourth, and that went to Brock Moorhall with a score of 73.5. So well done to those uh, people there. Uh, then we go over to our Rope and Tie, of course. First place was uh, Clay Bush, followed by Darcy Kirsch, and third was uh, Maddox Lovett. Our steer wrestling teams went to Tate Van Well lachlan o'neill and third place went to andrew jensen now team roping went to uh uh, we had a tie here of course in the uh, team roping if you boys don't know we've got a header and a healer so it's a team roping competition so one goes for the head of the of the uh beast and the second goes for the healer so it's a tie tonight you work together to get uh, both points awarded to you so in our team roping for our finals in Warwick this year first place went to campbell hodson who did the header and in the healer was Liam Davidson. They both took out a very quick score time of 7.85 seconds. That wow. was the time they broke close open in those shoots. They ran out, one header, one healer, they were down to the beast and on the ground by 7.85 wow. seconds. That's very That's quick. That is, that is quicker <laughs> than riding eight seconds on a ball.
3: Yeah, jeepers.
6: Very, very quick indeed. So uh, then, of course, we had Toby Hale, Warwick Hale, both uh, uh, brothers there, uh, both who were in the healers, and the uh, headers together, working very, very well together, those two boys. And then on uh, third place went to Drayden Hutchins and Peter Hutchins as well. So th- when the teams come together, the, sometimes some of these teams come from right around Australia, and some of them are brothers and sisters, brothers and brothers, some of them are husband and wife teams. So they, it's very good to see uh, two great brothers working together to uh, come out with a good outcome at Warwick. Now the fast ones, our barrel races for uh, this year went to, first place went to Ali Gard, second place went to Liam Caban, and third place went to uh, Chantelle Huddy. In the breakaway roping, uh, first place went to Angela Simpson, and second place uh, Catherine Hale, and third place was Jane Ryan. As we move, move right, right right, down, mate, that about rounds up our Warwick finals for uh, this year for 2019. Thank you to everyone who uh, attended, and what a big crowd it was, 30,000 people in attendance, and a lot of competitors from right around Australia. Very impressed with this year's nomination, and very proud of all our competitors who competed this year as well.
3: Fantastic, mate. Is there any uh, sort of young rider or uh, that you'd think worth keeping an eye on going to the future?
6: Uh, mate, look, we've got a couple of uh, young riders coming up through the ranks, and because we have uh, so many, uh, so many rankings throughout the year, so we've got a different couple of people that we look forward to. So we've got, uh, I guess, uh, one person who I would probably, um, you know, be looking for that would I sort of took a keen eye too, which was. Um, Uh, one of our rodeo princesses this year and her name was uh, Bianca Mason and uh, she's come from a a very um, I would say a very broken family and uh, a very shy family and but with the coaching and everything that she's had she's been following the rodeo circuit for quite some time now and uh, really came up through the ridges and hence why she became the rodeo queen for this year but she's uh, gone through several stages from being a little potty rider way back a couple of years ago. Um, it's gone right through the ranks, and it's now right up there with the Rodeo Queens and uh, competing in rodeos right across Queensland. She's about to go down into interstate. So a, a name to keep uh, very aware of, Bianca Mason. So I would say that would be one uh, young lady to definitely keep an eye on, and I dare say she'll be up there, hopefully, maybe in the uh, Mount Island of Stats this year, for uh, up there for the quickest time, in the barrel race for this year,
1: let's talk bucking stock.
6: Right uh, let's talk bucking stock. Indeed. So this year round, we each year, of course, we nominate uh, bucking stocks of the year. So in our 2019 bucking stock of the year, this is who we've got nominated for this year throughout the whole entire season of rodeo circuits around Australia. So this year's nominations, we've got uh, Jersey Joe, which is uh, by B.K. Bucking Bulls. We've also got Rusty by CMC Rodeo. We've got agri Steep Encounters by D.W. Bucking Bulls. Big Bang Theory by Hall Rodeo and 36 Rodeo Company. And, of course, Big Bang Buck Hunter by Stuart Tim. That one there is one to watch out for, lads. If you ever see it in the pen, be very careful. Well, it's well, a nasty one, that
1: one. Well, I saw Nick on a bucking bull at the school <laughs> fate here in Longreach, and uh, he certainly didn't ride eight seconds on it, so I don't think he'll be <laughs> lasting
0: eight on any of those.
6: <laughs> well, mate, you never know. We actually have a stint in, the, uh, in our national finals and a couple of our rodeo stints that we do throughout Queensland. We actually ask for uh, people in the town to actually jump on a bull and, mate, it's very interesting. We coach them in, we get them on, but they, all the guys here get in and give them a bit of a professional help. Now, it may not be the professional ball <laughs> that's pulled out of the pen for the night. It's a little bit of a quiet one, but i tell you what, it is a very uh, thrilling to see uh, a person pulled out of the crowd, someone who's nominated, like we've had a couple of doctors nominated in the local town, a couple of uh, nurses, and it's just interesting to see... It may just be on the card, mate. Next time I'll be looking for you to uh, find that uh, ball when I'm up in Longreach next time round. Finally, (laughs)
1: mate, uh, before we uh, sign out, uh, any APRA news?
6: Uh, Yeah, mate, we do. So uh, recently we've uh, had uh, a couple of uh, things come out, um, which is uh, over the years, of course, we've had our 2019 Australian Championships uh, happen. We've also had our two Queensland riders win all-round titles, which uh, is very, very interesting, mate, because uh, these two riders were fantastic, the uh, riders were Campbell Hodson and Alyssa Kenny, they've won the all-round titles in the Australian Professional Rodeo Association and uh, this, this title was decided after four rounds of work at the APRA National Finals um, and they competed all around Australia throughout the year and they actually did an outstanding national finals with the title of Rope and Tie. Hodson puts a lot of success down uh, to the coaching of Shane Kenny while he was based in Emerald, so not far up from you guys. Uh, in 2015 and 16, he actually competed in uh, jackpot rodeos in about Texas in the United States. Believe it wow. or not, um, yeah. But he's had a great time overseas. Emerald Rider Alyssa Kenny, uh, her all-round cowboy win this year uh, was fantastic. First of all, around 17, 2017, the competition uh, cowgirl events was a lot tougher this year. But, uh, you know, barrel racing has made her come quite a fair way and they've experienced so much over the Australian circuit that uh, they deserve this with uh, all, their, all their height. So they, they are in the Australian Championship winners um, and, of course, that brings them up uh, through the rankings for next year's season. So when 2020 kicks off next year, they'll be first in the ranking to go to the first rodeo NRA or PRA rodeo of the year. They'll be first preference and they will be up there with probably, I would say, the top 10 riders in Australia. So well done to them indeed, mate.
1: Damien Delinsky, thanks very much for your time this afternoon and contribution to the Summer Edition with all the rodeo news from across the state.
6: No worries, mate. I look forward to seeing everyone at August New Year's Eve.
1: It's the Summer Edition heard across the Resonate Network on 4SB, 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, for lg and Hot Country, and uh, earlier on this week, right across a country Queensland, a regional Queensland, the Queensland Reds were on the road and doing their bit uh, to get out and visit... The smaller communities and out here in the west, uh Nick Baxham, we had a couple uh, join
3: us. Yeah, they were uh, it was great to see the Queensland Reds you know, having a presence out here because you know we, Longreach lost its uh, rugby competition a few years ago, just you know numbers and everything yep. else piled against it. So it's great to have uh, some representatives. I mean, Bark Holden's kept it going. God bless him. But, uh, yeah. So it was wonderful to have the uh, Reds come out here. Two young blokes, Liam Wright and Harry Wilson, they're both yep. uh loose forwards, both uh, flankers. I think Harry Wilson plays a uh, lock as well and uh yeah they had a little you know they went to bark first they had a bit of a fence uh farming visit yeah then they were in long region did a few school visits here so uh i managed to catch up with them and had a bit of a chat we'll play that, that yeah uh, yeah
1: but first of all before we go to the mm. chat nick it's a great initiative a to try and revitalize union in these western centers uh, i know rome is still going and mm. and and um a couple of the comps around emerald etc charters yeah, yeah. towers they're still going but a lot of it's just on the skin of its teeth. And, and, and household names, union aren't, players aren't household names. Okay, we're still talking about Israel Folau, but it's not for his union prowess, <laughs> is it? It's right. for his idiocracy off the field. <laughs> so we need to get these names, household names, for the Reds to get back on the map. And it does ignite some interest. And, I, and Scott Parkinson is um, part of the show He's a school teacher, and he said the kids just just loved it, just loved having mm. somebody there to look up to, and that's where it all begins.
3: Well, they were very good. I went to the school visit to have a you know have a listen, and you know I said to Parker afterwards, a lot of these kids wouldn't even thought about union before in their lives yeah. living out here, but they were interested, and the two blokes they were talking about not only about their sporting. Life, but also the yeah you know, how they worked at school yep. and uh, fallback positions if sport doesn't work out. And it wasn't at all preachy; it was just a- responding to their questions. And yeah, it was a good little session. And here's uh, your chat from earlier this week. This is all part of the Reds to the Regions program, Leon. Tell us what that's all about.
7: Yeah, so we're um we've sent boys out to about twenty two regions in uh, Greater Queensland, um and just up and down the coast. Uh, we got boys in Isa, uh, Bundaberg. We're here in um. We're here in Longreach and we are at uh, Barcaldon last night. So um, it's more about just showing who we're representing. Um, so we represent obviously the whole of Queensland, but we probably don't really get much going outside of uh, just general Brisbane. So we really wanted to show, uh, show the love for the country regions and really um, engage with the communities and show
3: who we're representing when we put on that jersey um, every Saturday. Uh, fantastic. It's a Brad Thorne initiative. I believe uh, he's had experience with this, doing this stuff himself when he was a younger player.
7: Yeah, I think it's quite a, a league based thing. I know, um right. I think Craig Bellamy does it at the Storm, um, where he sends their guys out, you know, doing labor hire or out in the community's charity work. And um I know Brad did a lot at the Broncos, that sort of thing as well. Mm. Um and it's just something that's close to his hearty. He's quite big on doing that charity and really engaging with the community to um give back to what rugby gives us, which is quite a lot, so um, yeah, we're really enjoying our time out here in the community, meeting the locals last night at the birdcage. <laughs> so it's been great.
3: Fantastic. Now, Harry, they had you working pretty hard yesterday. Tell us what you got up to.
8: Yeah, so uh, we got up pretty early and then went up to uh, one of Paul Donnelly's fences at uh, I think the west side of his farm. And then, yeah, so I think we did two and a half k of fencing and did all the clipping on and just helped out around there. Then after that, we fed some uh, sheep, which was a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you, having grown up my... My mum's brothers are
3: all farmers and they don't mind a bit of unpaid labour, I'll tell you now. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Both of you blokes are are loose forwards and just with uh, where rugby is at the moment, I think uh, that was a pretty tight combination, but I think it's sort of opening up for the younger players. Would that be right?
7: Yeah, it's probably pretty fair to say. Um, I think the way the game's going, it's a lot more physical based, Uh, Mm. you know, everyone's got to be... Uh, in the gym quite a lot to yeah. keep up with some of the bigger boys going around. <laughs> Wilson's got about ten kegs on me so I've got to <laughs> find some ways to get around him, make sure <laughs> I don't get whacked by him. So um yeah, it's it's definitely opening up and that combination in the back row with the mm. loose forwards is uh I'd say pretty vital to some to most teams. Uh it can often be the, the game breakers, especially late in the game. True That'd be all. quite fit.
3: Now, how does it work? Because you guys, obviously, you're together at the Reds, but you're also, I imagine, competing for you know higher honours and so on. How's that work? with, you know, it's sort of your friends, your colleagues, but you're also rivals.
8: Yeah, well, I guess with all of us, we're all good mates off the field, but I guess we moment we're on a training paddock, we go for each other's heads. Cause I guess any good teams—they're <laughs> pretty much
3: against it in the World Cup. I worked out. Yeah. <laughs> May, maybe chess then, <laughs> but
8: um, I guess any good teams, they all go after each other at training, and then moment they go off the field, they have. Good friendships and just yeah, good mates, so good friendly. We rivalries. had quite a
7: few races yesterday on the fence post as well, <laughs> trying to <laughs> see which, if you could get him. Which done. Liam lost <laughs> in
8: <him. laughs>
3: Brave you to bring it up, Liam. Now Liam, you were born in South Africa. Did you watch the World Cup final and go, That could have been me? Or you know, <laughs> <laughs> I did, yeah. I um, I
7: uh, well, yeah, I grew up watching the Springboks and stuff and um I've since been converted to an Australian tragic and um, was, yeah, lucky enough to make my debut for the Wallabies yeah. this year, so um, yeah, I'm really supporting the the boys in gold, um, but yeah, it was, um, it was pretty um, cool to see, I've got a lot of family still over there, so it was really cool to... See the Springboks do well.
3: It's always good know, to have man. your second team in the yeah, World Cup, and, I and anyone but England. So, <laughs> and, <you know. laughs> yeah, I think that's the world's cry. Uh, <laughs> so this is obviously it's off season, but obviously you haven't been hitting the KFC and the Peter and so on. So uh, when, do, what sort of training do you keep up in the off season?
8: Uh, well, this year we had five weeks off, so I think about one or two of the weeks we try to just not do any running or gym, and then. They give us a program for the last three weeks leading in, so it's probably about three or four running sessions and about yep. three gym sessions, just to keep us fit. Right, fair enough. And what's you're back to Brisbane today after a few school visits today to all the uh, the
3: high school and the two uh, primary schools. What's back in Brisbane now this time of year? The uh, fun back stuff. in Brisbane. yeah, yeah <laughs> the fun stuff. It's, um, <laughs> the humidity. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: yeah, uh,
7: it's, uh, it's been nice getting away from that for a few days, but for we'll sure. do all our um, sort of. Uh, testing, like coming back, see where we've come in fitness-wise and strength-wise. So we'll do all that tomorrow just so we get some benchmarks and compare that at the end of pre-season, which will um, whack us around for a few weeks. So hopefully should get a fair bit better.
3: Fine. Do you find having uh, Brad Thorne there just a challenge just walking around, being as enormous as he is? Yeah.
8: (laughs) (laughs) It is, because... He's the Jack Reacher of rugby,
3: isn't he? He's just- <laughs>
8: <laughs> no, he's just a very imposing figure walking around with his obviously size and what he's done in his rugby career. Yeah. So I guess when he tells you something to work harder, you've got to listen because you know he did for 20-odd years.
1: It's the summer edition heard across the Resonate Network, and it's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. Again, check us out through 4SB, 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, Hot Country, or Scott, on our Facebook page. It'll be loaded up later today.
2: Yeah, 100%. So if you missed the show live, make sure you catch up with the podcast. Now, we had overwhelming response to our first set of...
1: And a fair (laughs) bit of conjecture, it must be said.
2: Yeah, look. You know, people have their opinions and they're entitled to them. Um, not that we <laughs> trawl through them. Uh, but I've got to put the tuxedo on again so that to present three new awards. And the first one is the Drought Breaker Award. Who will break a drought? Who will be the big performer in 2020? Nick Backstrom.
3: Well, this is... Uh, i look at some wishful thing, but I also think there's a bit of uh, reality behind it. Queensland Reds. Yep. I reckon they're going to make the final. I uh, don't know if they'll actually win the title, but I reckon they're going to... Be in the final for the first time in gosh, no, how long,
2: and hopefully, someone watches it. Yeah, is what we
3: want. No, no, no well, the scenes before, they well, the seeds have been planted out put, west. We just put, heard that, yeah. They put the uh, you know, by putting it on uh, Foxtel exclusively was such a huge error. Yes. And, uh, yeah, we need people watching. And uh, the only, as Brad Thorne said, the only way to get bums on seats is to win. And at
2: least if they put, you know, the Queensland Reds games in Queensland. Just broadcast that game. That's yeah. all we need. Yeah.
3: That's
1: right. And we talk of bums on seats, and this bloke, he's he's broken the drought. He's already begin begun the drought. It's raining for him, Dave Warner. Uh, his <laughs> test career, he was some 697 days without a test century. Admittedly, 365 of those. He was peeling oranges. But um, he's a bloke that... Love him or hate him, he's uh, he puts bums on seats. He's a great showman. He's good for the game. And look out, thousand Test runs in twenty twenty.
3: Just slightly psychopathic. That's yeah. exactly
1: right. Well, as you we s- said, we want we want we want people uh, whether you can relate to him or not. You want icon. You oh, want yeah, yeah. character and yeah, charisma oh, in sure, the game. Sure. Well, I
2: guess the big thing for Warner. Yes, he's bought himself an overseas ticket after this series. But that's when the real test comes. Yes, you all agree. He's always performing right, in Australia, but it's yep. the next one. I won the Brisbane Broncos. I mean, the reason why there's no turmoil, there's no excuse for a slow start to the season. Um, and I think they'll be much better. I mean, the big whisper is Blake Green's coming to the Broncos. The Broncos need an experienced, organised half. It's better mm-hmm. than Croft. Much better than Croft. I mean, this is a level head, someone who I think has done wonders at the Warriors. The results in the field haven't been great, but he steadies a ship, and that's exactly what the Broncos need. I think Seabold's now in charge. I think they'll make the finals. I don't think they'll win the final, but I think they'll be top four finish.
1: Okay, hypothetically, step away as being a mad Brisbane Bronco fan here. The Broncos have a 50-50 season, half and half, finished ninth. What happens to Seabolt?
2: I think they've signed him for a five-year deal. I think regardless of results in the field, he'll stick around for a year after this one.
1: Do you know what I call the five-year deal? The John Cartwright curse. Well, it's, <laughs> it's not far
2: off it. I, I, you should never sign a coach no. to a five-year no. deal. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yep. I mean, they did that because he was the flower of the month. Um, I won't say what it's like because I just realized that's inappropriate. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, mate, I honestly think they will, they will be better in 2020. The next one, now this one's a bit of an abstract one, which I like to throw in there. Ilfra need a comb. Now, Ilfra Combs a town in the Central West. Combs are something, obviously, you put through your hair, Nick. I can see you put one through. I know this is a, a listening show, but a visual. Your hair is looking outstanding. <laughs> Who you. needs a comb? Who's your worst hairstyle in professional sport?
3: I'm going to go with Flaff Duplessis, the, uh, f- the halfback for the Springboks. Now, winners are grinners.
2: We will put a photo of him on our Facebook page.
3: Yeah, yeah. He's got a beautiful head of frosted tips and so on. You've got to go, mate, I know you're back, but you're playing rugby I think he should have got sin bend and a quick haircut off off field the, before they brought him back on. What comes to mind
1: for me automatically is Dennis Rodman. The, the changes oh, in hair, etc., <laughs> like that. But we're 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 in currently uh, in 2019, and he's not playing. He still makes the news. Now Movember is a great cause, guys, and it, it's something you need to get behind. But Scott Parkinson. <laughs> You didn't specify, you didn't specify <laughs> professional athlete. I'm an amateur sportsman. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: That's the biggest comment I've been paid. Not the fact that you've paid out my moustache, but the fact you consider me a sports person. <laughs> for you, mate? Uh, for me, I've always said a man bun is a bad idea, and Jack <laughs> DeBellin had an awful man bun, but I'm going to go Aaron Woods. Um, something you would have rocked back in the early days, what's your bowl cut? Um, <laughs> oh, <I> was there.
1: <laughs> it, it was more like a mop. <laughs> yeah well it was but
2: it was trimmed around the edges um, and I've seen you mm, quietly I've seen you wear it a couple of times early on before you got the missus um, I don't think she'd allow that for you now but disgusting and I'll put a photo up again and this last one is the Min Min lighted up awards now the Min Min lights are something that you can see in certain parts of the Central West I don't actually think they have anything in the future but I've kind of gone I'm drawing a long bow um, what is your prediction for a headline we'll see in the sporting world in 2020
3: bold one Warn retires. Warner retires. Dave Warner retires next year. Ooh. Big one. Wow. Yeah. Worn out. Worn out. Good one. Dave retires. You could write. You could write for the. You're uh, welcome. Courier mail. <laughs> Okay, uh, big one here for me
1: Pakistan to be deregistered as a cricketing nation Because <laughs> i tell you what, they stink <laughs> Pakistan stink You missed your calling Packers skunks <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's a, Yeah, well, that's, it's interesting
1: If they're not cheating, they're losing
3: <laughs> <laughs> Say the same thing about us
2: <laughs> Hello to our Pakistani listeners um, And they got a 16 year old, well done to him yeah, oh, He's, he's, good. Good. Yeah, he's good. played six tests already
1: I saw him down at um, the TAB opening an account. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Still
2: got more facial hair than I do. <laughs> Mine is Slam Dunk. Australia claims their first ever medal yes. in the basketball at the yeah. Olympic Games. And to be quite fair,
1: that's a great, that's a really good one. Oh, I that's think I think it's really going to happen. Good. I mean, yeah.
2: they've just um, they've just changed coaches. They've actually gone with a professional coach from the NBA, um, Brett Brown, who was actually coached Australia before. He's got the runs on the board in terms of professional setup. He will get the good players back in for the Olympics, and Australia don't know if it'll be gold, but it'll be silver or bronze.
1: First up this hour, we check in with Laurie Lawrence Scott.
2: Oh, Laurie Lawrence. What a song, what a what a man. You know what was really interesting is the fact that he went over to work with Mark Spitz and he, what he worked out was he was too nice. And you know, I know kids these days, I don't know if it's something about society, but kids always whinge about a, an angry coach, an angry teacher, yours truly. Um, but he said that what he needed to do was be angrier and just be really intense. And I thought he was absolutely interesting.
1: One of the uh, more inter- interesting interviews we've conducted here was
3: with world kettlebell champion yes. Dave to I'm going to say this took me by a surprise. It was just we got him through a uh, press release. We didn't know anything about him, and uh, we watched a few in this whole day. Pow to again. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen here, but he was actually really interesting and actually quite inspiring. I thought he's a top top
1: he, he is, and I did I did use use you as a reference, Paco. He has one hell of a rig. Oh, he would. And Paco, we head to the stands and hear from Sophie.
2: Got a bit heated between you and Sophie, to be honest. Um, some really mixed views on who should captain Australia. I don't think Sophie be on your Christmas card list, uh, Watsy, But no, just passion. Talk, talk about women's sport and just a great perspective on you know why it's so important to have women athletes, female athletes for our young athletes to aspire to be like. It's
1: the summer edition heard across the Resonate Network. Kids Alive do the five, you're on the summer edition across the Resonate Network, heard on 4BL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country, joined in the studio by Nick and Paco. Parco, how important is water safety? You're a school teacher.
2: Oh, it's integral, mate. I don't think there's enough um, enough of it. I know in schools, it's um, part of our everyday program, is getting kids into the pool, um, and we are joined by an absolute champion. What's he?
1: Laurie Lawrence, good afternoon. How are you, mate? Good, thanks. Now, take us back to the start of Kids Alive. Do the five. Oh, boy. in the eighties, <laughs> I know. Mate,
9: that's a it's a long way. I to go back to Duncan Armstrong winning that uh, two hundred freestyle in Seoul. I remember oh, yeah. it like it
1: was yesterday. Oh, yeah.
9: Mate, it was just fantastic. You come back and we're we're celebrating and it's all good and the government. But the Queensland Government rang out and said, look, we want to bring in pool fencing. Nobody likes it. It's not talented. Nobody wants to fence their pool. And they said, we need someone who's travel out in Queensland and say, you've got to fence your pool. So, I think someone said, let's get that silly budget jump in the pool at the Olympics. <laughs> 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 Queensland led the world per capita with 27 little kids around it.
1: Yeah, it's amazing.
9: And uh, away i went I took angie russell with me and her little baby and also i took peter jackson's wife siobhan who uh, had a little baby too and away we went and we went into towns all over queensland and had press conferences what happened was over the next three years pushing these kids along it was called operation waterwise in in from and 13. And one backyard pulls out. And the government rang me up and said, good on you, we've got the pool fencing legislation. So I stopped doing this around the state. The drowning stats went straight back up over the next three years. Wow. They it went straight back up. Six kids. And I thought, this is crazy. So I went back to the government and so it again. And they said, yeah, right on, way you going. When I came to take Operation Waterwise, the council had pinched the name for saving water around the state. That's <laughs> Operation Waterwise. So I, so I had to come up with something else. And my cousin actually came up with Kids Live 2 to 5. And Robert Draftery got the poem. And then uh, a young fellow, Dave Avery, who, uh, who wrote the hit for Dave, so get your hair cut and get a real job
0: <laughs>
9: <laughs> with, the, with the jingle and so away I went round state again the drowning stats went from 26 down to 10
1: and Laurie um, obviously you led into the golden era of a modern day Australian swimming but it's sort of tapered off a little bit in, in, in the recent times what do you put that down to?
9: oh mate I think I don't think we've got a good leader at the moment, the head coach of Australian swimming, and, and I think it starts at the top. That's me personally. Yep. I can't see that you're you're uh, the head coach of Australian swimming if when the World Championships are on, and three weeks or four weeks before the World Championships, and you've got a swim camp in Europe that you're on holidays in, and, and in all of the Asian Yeah. and you're the head coach of Australian swimming. What what what's that? What's yeah. that? And then later on, I, I go to a a butterfly camp on the Gold Coast. He lives on the Gold Coast, and he doesn't attend the camp
0: there.
9: Wow! He goes somewhere else. How do you expect the kids to get in the trenches with you at at a place like the Olympic Games if you're not? Uh, it's not in the trench. If you're not there working with them, you get
1: no respect. For them. Laurie Lawrence, you're an absolute legend, and thanks for your time this afternoon on the summer edition Heard Across the Resonate Network. Don't
9: forget, kids alive, do the five. <laughs> 100%,
2: mate.
1: Thanks, mate. Keep up
9: the good
2: work. Cheers.
1: Heard Across the Resonate Network on 4VL, 4SB, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, and Hot Country. Now, Nick, the first time an exclusive on the show. A world champion.
3: Oh, fantastic! Yeah, <laughs> I speak of Dave
1: Taban, Dave Powerman Taban. How are you, mate?
10: Mate, good, good, very good to be here,
1: mate. Um, first of all, how do you get into into to being a kettlebell world champion,
10: mate? It was a bit of a bit long story, but I'll give it to you straight the shorter version. And, um, mate, there was a time in my school and career where I sort of had my own uh, bullying situation, uh, arch nemesis going on, and. I ended up getting into mixed martial arts and, and I had a school teacher called Mark Elliott who was an ex-military guy yep. and he come and trained with us so I thought I ha- I'll come and try his training which happened to be uh, kettlebells. Now he had the first kettlebells that he actually got from Russia um, and that was the first kettlebells in Australia so I, I started training with him, fell in love with them, started training my sister <laughs> and for me it was a way to channel my frustrations in something that was actually going to be beneficial for my myself.
1: Fantastic. Um, now, kettlebells are a, a funny thing, Nick. I've got a set at home, and I like throwing them around a little bit. But what well, what um, what disciplines do you do for a world championship?
10: Right, so there's a few categories, but what I complete in is called biathlon, where you have two kettlebells, either 24 kilos each, 28 kilos each or 32 kilos each. Too heavy for me. And you are. <laughs> <with> that attitude. <laughs> so what we do is we for 10 minutes, it's like weightlifting, but instead of one perfect rep, you've got to do it like a, over 100
0: wow. back-to-back.
10: You can't put it down. So you're there. It's not a spectator sport, by the way. It's pretty, pretty mundane. But it's whoever can hold on and do the most reps. So for me, um, you know, I wasn't the strongest. I wasn't the fittest. But I tell you what, I was going to be uh, the most determined not to put them down and so you do the jerk. That's what it's called. Two yep. kettlebells above your head for 10 minutes, and then what you do is you have the snatch. Where you have about a 30-minute break, one kettlebell, and you uh, you throw that from basically between your legs all the way up to the top to lockout, and you only get one hand change. So if you if you tear your hand up, you know or anything like that, you've only got one shot per hand, and then uh, and then times out after 10 minutes,
1: mate. Let's let's go right back to the start here, mate. Where before you were power man, Dave Taban, um, you Tubane, grew up,
10: Tubane. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Tubane, Sorry, you grew up in a in a small country town.
10: Yeah, mate. Yanko, about five hundred fifty-two people. Five fifty-one now are left. But, um, <laughs> mate, super small town, and you know, so in that town, mate, I, I saw I saw the effect of not looking after yourself in regards nutrition wise, uh, mindset wise, and on all that kind of stuff. So I saw the negative effect, So. When I was a kid, I made a bit of a promise to myself, and this is around the bullying and, and just life in general, that when I get old enough, when I can make choices for myself, I'm going to be the change. And that's uh, the promise I made to myself when I was a kid.
1: And uh, tell us about how you got you became an author. Well, what what prompted that? Obviously, um, you've, you've spoken about the bullying, et cetera. Is that what drove you into being an author?
10: Well, mate, that, that actually drove me into getting into fitness and all that to better myself and take that out. But what actually happened was... Um, I had this young kid who did one of my programs where I work with gyms all over Australia to help them eat, think, and do better. And this young kid who's an artist, and he uh, lost 11 kilos. He drew this picture of Power Man and presented it to <laughs> me with a t-shirt. And he said, "Dave, you're the true life. You're the true Power Man. Thank you for helping me find my confidence." Wow. I said, "Man, that's always been a dream to, to do something like that." But I tell you, I repeated kindergarten. I failed my English in Year 12. So for me, writing a book was more of a dream. And I um, when I got when that kid presented me with his picture I put it on Facebook said guys Power man's coming it's an empowerment kids book series and I told at, at that point I didn't know how it was actually going to happen but I put it on Facebook say it's going to happen and I had a guy <laughs> by the name bit. of a guy by the name of Gary Evans um, bless his soul he sadly passed away when we first launched the book um, he this is the last book that he launched and um, he called me up and he did one of my other programs and he said Dave why haven't you told me about this book and I said I oh, made it just you know just all unfolding he said Mate, I'm a publisher, obviously, and um, I'm going to find the team. So he, um, he connected me with uh, my co-author, Nadia Wallen, who lives out in a farm in West Wollum, yep. And um, the, the illustrator Shane. So, um, you know, if we had a good team, uh, things like this probably would never happen or would take a lot longer. But the team is what makes it um, what it is and, and allowed me to become an author.
3: Fantastic. Dave, you're obviously a testament to self-belief and uh, setting goals. What are you looking forward to now?
10: Mate, i uh, looking forward to getting this out there. and I've got a big big goal to get this into um, all, every school in Australia, the most read book in Australia. Um, I know how much books when I was younger changed my life for the better. And, um, you know, I was a kid that always said I, I was silly, dumb, stupid and, and listened to what other people said about me. And when I decided to, to stop telling myself that I can't do things and, and change that in a dialogue, you know, my life changed. And, you know, I had a lot of beautiful people come into my life. And so now with this book is... I'm just passing on that flame and, and getting out there because there's a lot of kids that um you know are growing up in certain situations, circumstances and all that, and we all face challenges, that actually those challenges are beat them up. And I want to show these kids that they can arise and go go beyond any challenge that life throws at them and turn a negative into a positive and grow from it rather than have it beat them up in life.
1: Now, Dave... So. You, you barely must come up for breath. You know, you do, you, you're writing books. You're a motivational speaker. You're the creator of the 30 day challenge. Where do you fit it all in?
10: Mate, uh, I make time for it. And it's something I'm passionate about. And the thing is, in regards to life, you know, I've seen people waste their whole life doing something that they hate. I've seen mm. people worry their life away. So that's what power stands for passion over worry. And when you're doing something that you're passionate about, Love you it. Can see the positive impacts. Uh, why wouldn't you go hard? Why wouldn't you add intensity to your life? You know, it's like you, you wake up and go, you know, what's next? <laughs> you know, that's, what, uh, that's how I've designed my life.
1: And that's how, uh, that's how that's, you know, that's what, what I, lights me up, you could say. Now, I, I watched uh, a couple of videos, videos of yours this morning on YouTube, and it must be said, you've got a very impressive rig, and this is the <laughs> summer edition. And we like to ask our guests uh, a couple of questions. Now, we're going to ask you today the three top things you love to throw on a barbecue.
10: On a barbecue, uh, the other day we finished up a challenge and um, we actually had a sausage sizzle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, and,
10: and it's, you know, we grew up in Australia. It's a bit of a thing here. And, and I'm all about, you know, not demonising certain things, but knowing what to eat when if you want to desired results. result. So barbecue, yeah. I'd say uh, salmon, sausage, and... Um, and what else uh, obviously just like uh, I actually like prefer chicken with um, portuguese yep. um, herbs oh like, yes, so I'm, like, I'm
1: coming to your stuff, place for a barbecue i'll be there <laughs> too <laughs> cuz i love the fi- i love the fish <laughs> on the barbecue dave you're an absolute champion mate uh, what's the best way to get um, in um, in contact with you to grab these books or where are they uh, on sale
10: mate you can uh, you can get the first book and the second book discover the strength within uh via powermanbook.com that's the best spot to grab them and you can pre-order the second book um, you can find me on Dave Paltz-Bain um, on Instagram and on Facebook. And uh, the books in, there, in every good bookstore all around, all around Australia. We've got, you know, Dimmicks and all those um, those kind of bookstores.
1: Dave Tobain thank you very much for your contribution to the Summer Edition. Heard across the Resonate mate. Network. Pow! Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> it's the Summer Edition. Heard across the Resonate Network on 4SB, 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and hot country and it's time to check in with our armchair critic of the week (laughs) when we have it go to our segment from the stands nick backstrom
3: that's right where we talk to a sporting enthusiast who has some interesting things to say about sport and we're talking to uh, a lawyer uh hr director teacher and mother of three sophie norton g'day sophie how you going
11: G'day, Nick. I'm really good.
3: Three full-time jobs there.
1: Have
2: to be careful that. what we say got a lawyer, lawyer. <laughs> on oh, the line. What's this going to be your last show, mate?
3: Yeah. Family <laughs> law.
11: Apparently, I'm not
3: lecturing the kids from the uh, the bench. No. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Okay. So you're a huge uh, sports fan, as I know. You love your cricket. Australia in a great position. But uh, we had a bit of a chat the other day about Steve Smith. They're talking. I mean, Australia's in a great position. They're still talking about Steve Smith coming back as captain. Where do you stand on that?
11: Ah. Uh, it's a no for me Nick I am no nah, I'm not keen i'm I'm loving the um, the work of the current captain I think he should be he should be still in and be given the opportunity to continue to lead the team i I just was not keen on Steve Smith and you know particularly when he was talking about how he kind of knew what was going on but just turned a blind eye to it and I think that's not what I would want from a captain of the team and I don't know whether that Behaviour would change. I, I certainly don't think that's what a ponting or a war or a um, oh, a border or a chapel would have done. Turned For a sure, a, a, a B would never
1: that. spent the rules <laughs> <No>. like that. <laughs> one, one 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 thing I will to say is that I'm a fast bowler from way back, and uh, oh, um, I don't believe versus medium. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sp- He's slow left
2: Chinaman now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, I, don't believe, I don't believe honestly not. One person on that field knew it was going on. I mean, when you're a bowler, we all know what side of the ball we're shining. Um, you know, I've, I've sat at first slip with a bottle top in my pocket and Vaseline in the other. You know, but it's part of the game. I, I honestly believe they all knew. And I mean, Lehman sort of got the Queen's pardon, didn't he? He sort of walked out uh, unscathed, but he knew as well. He bought it. Yeah, but you
11: don't... That doesn't... Um, mean that a captain should be um, that kind of captain, you know. No. I, you know, I just don't think a captain should, even if he, as a bowler you don't know what's going on. A captain who does know what's going on and then doesn't do anything. Well, I was about saying, it, I
1: was saying they all knew what was going on.
2: Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. My only thoughts around it. I would agree with that. Sorry, Sophie. I just, um, even in this latest test, Tim Payne, look, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I think he's got the right personality, and I think at the time, Australia just needed someone personable, someone who I guess was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a larrikin, a bit of a you know, a bit of a public relations success. I just think the only risk at the moment, you've got Tim Payne, who's the captain of the side, and you've got Steve Smith, who who I still think, tactically, they're going to a lot. Even in the uh, on the first day of the test on Thursday, there was a DRS decision, and Tim Payne wasn't going to review, and you can hear Steve Smith on the stump mic saying, you have to review that, and the decision was made to review. So I think Tim Payne's in a bit of an awkward position. I think that'll come with time. I think they will stick with him.
0: Sorry to interrupt, but Warner used to do that all the time. Yeah.
2: Oh,
1: without a doubt. <laughs> but my query is we're playing for Australia. We're not playing under eights. Do we just have a participation medal for, for a captain? I mean, he brings nothing else to the table. He's keeping's average, and he's only an ordinary batsman, Ooh. Nick.
2: But I think he's public rel- I think that's what Australia needs, public rel- I think he's good for... I think it's he's not a- under eight soccer. Yeah, but I think it's a different position than the Australian captain. Nah. It's political.
0: No. Nah.
11: Oh, so it's the gay Waterhouse. He's good for. He's good for cricket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and how's that going lately? For
1: <laughs> her, she hasn't trained to win us so since the seventies. She's up like, next week. Turn a captain to
11: pain. Oh, not Steve. Sh- surely not Warner. Steve
1: Swiss. Steve Smith. Uh, um, he's a walk-up start for mine. And um, Dave Warner. Look, he was never a vice captain backside. To be quite honest, I think he. he <laughs> yeah. You know, look, like he's yeah. he's a great batsman, a great entertainer, but. A cricket brain? Hmm, no, so I've got
3: much. no problem with Steve Smith. Yeah, you, they always have batsmen or other cricketers that they refer to for their nows. But I, I agree with Sophie that uh, Steve Smith has a real huge character flaw. And so, yeah, talk to him all the time about tactics and so on, but not in charge of the team.
1: Now, Sophie, you've got a, a couple of daughters, am I right?
11: Yes, I do.
1: And and you would have played a bit of sport as, as a young girl, no doubt. Oh, I certainly
11: did. Now, how... I, loved, I loved my sport, but... Now, um,
1: Yes, haven't things changed? Haven't things evolved much for the better? I have a daughter as well, and um, it, it's great to see. We've we've spoken to Pam O'Neill and, and um, the, the first woman jockey oh, and yeah. the struggle she had, yeah, and and exactly. uh, absolute yeah. pioneer in, in all forms of yeah, women's sport for mine. But now, yep. like the products, great. The women's big bash is flying. The women's AFL, the women's league. I mean, it's 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 all going forward.
11: Oh, I totally agree. How lovely that my daughters can grow up and and have heroes like Sam Kerr or um, Elise Perry or, you know, that just wasn't around in our day. And um, sure, we had a few female tennis players, but they weren't allowed to wear shorts, but sure, (laughs) on a playing field or on the... Yeah, so I think it's wonderful. And what I also think is amazing is the that you're just given the opportunity to play sports that we weren't allowed to. You know, when I was at school, um, I certainly played a lot of backyard cricket with my brothers, but we were restricted to playing a bit of vigaro T-ball. T-ball. Oh, the vigaro bat was uh, a challenge. But, um, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not saying I would have played for Australia, but I certainly would have benefited from a coach who worked out how to... Uh, um, play a nifty little ball just outside off stump, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would have played club cricket. I would have played, well, not club cricket, but I certainly would have played in a cricket team. And, um, you know, so getting those opportunities. And, and similarly, I think seeing women in, in other forms, in, in the not just on the field itself, but, you know, a good friend who's doing rugby, union refereeing. Um, so seeing women come up like that. Um but to be honest, I'd love to see the day when we have a female coaching a main male team. I think that would be yes.
3: Oh, that would be a big breakthrough, wouldn't it? So imagine
11: if Felice Perry <laughs> took over from from Langer.
3: There. <laughs> Good point. That's a great point. Now, mm. um, you're a huge rabbitose fan. Ooh. And you've gone That's through some tough little. times. <laughs> just a little <laughs> just about every key ring, everything you have is a stubby holder. Gets on the cat. That's right. <laughs> um, but you've gone through some tough times along with the team this year. The uh, well we had lost Greg Inglis, the coach yeah. swap. And uh, and of course, the, the Burgesses disappearing. But uh, let's go to the coach flop because I know you're not a huge Wayne Bennett fan. How are you no, going with that?
11: Not a Wayne Bennett
3: fan. Is Taco there? Is Taco a. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was wondering,
2: yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> 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 yeah, and, and is this. So, yeah, keep going. Not a Wayne Bennett fan.
11: No, I'm not a Wayne Bennett fan. I mean, I think uh, what I love about the uh, Rabbits is um, it's that sense of community that that club has. And I mean, I it became a Rabbit O's member when they rejoined the competition because we were living in the area and just were just overwhelmed. And I was, you know, previously a Broncos follower, but um, you're just overwhelmed by that community. Mm. And I think for me, oh God, what I've always felt about Wayne Bennett is, you know, well, I'm the smartest in the room kind of person, and uh, you know that's what I felt that he seems like to me. And I just, I just dreaded that kind of culture coming into a real strong sense of community in the club. Look, I'm not sure if it has particularly, but um, yeah, I was, I was disappointed in the coach swap, but at, but other other rabbits fans weren't. I think they've felt that Seibold has checked out, and you know, if you're going to think that you're not going to be here, then don't be here. So. Um, yeah, it's
2: a difficult one. I'm, I'm not a big Bennett fan. I think um, so. If he, I mean, a lot of people aren't. I mean, I think I'm in the minority in terms of Wayne Bennett fans. I mean, some people call him my second father. Um, the biological tests are coming. But I think um, the big thing you can say for Bennett, I think the, the thing with the Rabbitohs is they're a team that is, they're just so close to getting that premiership. And I think they're very similar to the St. George side, um, you know, five or six years ago now where Wayne Bennett went there and he just had two years with them and they went you know, they went and won the premiership. So I think with Wayne Bennett, yes, I don't think everyone agrees with the way he conducts himself off the field um, in terms of, you know, his interviews. I mean, I used to love them as a Broncos fan because it was really us versus them um you know sometimes yeah. he thinks with that you know the big head of his um but he does create that us versus them and he could do that at the broncos because he was there for so long and and you know no one can argue that he created the culture he created that club i think um i think bennett will get success at the rabbit i think this year could be you know i think if he gets a premiership i think he, everything's forgiven from rabbit fans but i definitely do understand i think he must do something really good behind the scenes
11: Oh, look, I think... Oh, I, t- I tell you, if we win a Premiership underneath him, it'll, it, 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 my stomach will churn a bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be excited, but I'll make my red and green jelly cups. But um, <laughs> um, anyway, I... Um, oh, look, I, I, I absolutely know what you're saying. And I think, for me, the Rabbits, though, are in a big year of transition. Uh, you know, um, Nick just talked about the Bennett, uh Burgess boys going, um, you know, G.I. going. We've got some good young players coming through, but it's the old heads, that, you know... Um, you know, you've got someone like Cameron Murray. You've got Doherty and um, um, Graham, and um, but you need a bit of that old head sort of stuff. And I think for me, what Bennett might do is players want to play for him, so yeah. he might make some players stay who otherwise might be looking for contracts elsewhere that are, are, are more significant. The so. big
2: news is Semi Raja will sign with the Rabbitohs um, yes. before the end of the year.
11: Yes. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, and, that, and that's it. So I mean, that's that's what a Bennett brings. He'll mm. bring players that mightn't otherwise have signed because they want to sign for that coach as opposed to the money at another club.
1: Maybe Darius Boyd you can go there. <laughs> you can have him. Hey, we'll pay you to take him. If you want. I think the
11: rabbits would forgive you. Yeah, <laughs> <up getting. laughs> All right.
3: Well, thank you very much for your chat today. So it's great to hear a voice from the stands, and I uh, hope you've enjoyed your time with the uh, summer edition I heard
0: across the Resonate Network.
1: It's a summer edition uh, heard across the Resonate Network, and it's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. Get mungin' today. You can hear us on 4SV, 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, and Hot Country. A big thanks to all our contributors today. Michael Kasperwich, Brooke Richardson, Damian Delinsky, the boys from the Queensland Reds, Laurie Lawrence with his kids alive, do the five, Pow Man, Dave Tobain. And uh, from the stands Nick, Sophie Norton Norton
2: Great chats But Great boys chats. I want to capitalise on something You said before Watsy, When you referred to me As a sportsman And I thought I'd just finish With telling you about An experience on a Wednesday Now my team is still In the touch The touch final uh, Whatever you want to call it We're still alive And we had a Semi final on Wednesday And um, got home from work Sat on the couch Had a box of biscuits I had the final In about 45 minutes Finished the whole box of shapes Fell asleep Woke up Had no idea where I was Went to the tour. I'm not going to go into it for the listeners. Played a blinder. Did you? I did. And I just wanted to ask you guys, pre-game ritual, What's? I think I know what yours is, similar to Dawn Fraser's, um, but what did you like or what do you like to do before a game? Well,
1: hasn't it changed the way we look at this? And it, it could just be whether you work out now or you get up and mm. have a have a pre-workout and have a protein shake. I remember back when I was playing competitive soccer, it was all about carbo loading mm. and pastas and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So, but, but your point... With what you did makes sense. You know, you relaxed. You went into the game relaxed, and I, too I think, relaxed. But I think that. <laughs> but I think that's. I think that's the key with any sport, Nick. If you can just go in nice and relaxed. I don't think it because because you, you do all the hard work before the game, don't you?
3: Yeah, that's right. In the um, I remember at school watching the uh, like first first uh, first fifteen rather in the game. They sweating as much before a game as I would by the end. Yeah. Whereas I like to save it for the field because I didn't have much, and <laughs> I've got to say I was always a. Uh, 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 a meal a couple of hours before. You do not want to eat yeah. and go on. That would have been a disaster for me. So Yeah, and you opposite. read a lot of, I,
1: I love reading a lot of um, sports books, you know, biographies, where, you know, you hear about their funny... Yeah, yeah. ...ways that they prep for a game. Andre Agassi who was one he used to sleep on the floor... Um, that was mainly due to his back, and I right. um, think look- he
2: did a lot of stuff <laughs> on dragons before a game. But honestly, I didn't get a chance to think about the game because I was running five minutes late. But you know, I didn't. You know, that is true. I think keeping yourself either it's either busy or completely relaxed is the way to go. Yes. A lot of players are napping.
1: Yeah, 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 But I
3: don't know if I could in a big game. Oh,
2: naps. I mean, naps can go two ways. If you have a good nap, you wake up refreshed. If you have a bad nap, geez, it's hard to recover. It from. It is
3: like some beat you up while you're
1: asleep and Nick we just got a check through uh, text through from Damien Delinsky saying unfortunately the
3: Rodeo New Year's Eve's cancelled oh that's a pity yeah yeah it's a pity I mean it's hard times uh, as we know and something like that is always a great community event but um, yeah Circumstances are what they are. Boys are looking forward to anything this week in particular.
2: Yeah, I got netball tonight. So another final. Um, the <laughs> athlete that I am, what's he? I won't ever get to get that comment again. So yeah, netball tonight and uh probably recover tomorrow. Bit of basketball on, so I'd probably just tune out and watch sport as opposed to playing in it.
3: Mm-hmm. Nick. Well the second test is coming up um Thursday. To get... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, back so to back. Um, I love my uh, longer form, so it's great to see it happening. Will yeah. the Gabba remain the first
2: test? It has see?
3: to. It has to. It has to. Stick with tradition. Yeah. Geez, I
2: need to fix the Gabba, though.
3: Oh, yeah, it needs a refurb, for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, it's got to, you know, look at us. We haven't been beaten there in 20 years or something. Yeah, thanks to all
1: of our contributors. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Nick. Anytime, mate. And um, I'll be talking to you via from Townsville next week. Uh-huh. Watch (laughs) out, (laughs) Townsville. It's been the summer edition heard on 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, Hot Country and 4SB. What's he signing out? It's all been thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. Have a great week.